and welcome back to the Audio DT with T, the Audio Devartorum. This year where we talk about the Parsha of the week with some practical lessons to keep. Sometimes we do it as a mini-talk around 10-15 minutes or so, sometimes longer, but always trying to give some practical lessons of the week, oftentimes with the help of Chabad.org. And this time is no different. We're calling it Rebuke This! The Pasuk tells us, in this week's Parsha, in Achrimot Kedoshim, it tells us in Perak Yotet, Pasuk Yud Zayin, Lo sisna et achicha bilvavecha hocheach tochiach et amitacha, velo sisna alav chait. Do not hate your brother in your heart. I've talked about before on this show, other times on the other shows. We shouldn't be hating anyone, quote-unquote. We can like people a little less, like my dad used to say, but we shouldn't hate anyone to begin with. The Pasuk tells us you shall not hate your brother in your heart. How can Hashem tell us an emotion to have in the Aserah Tadibros? How can Hashem tell us don't be jealous, don't hate? Hashem could tell us whatever He wants. He created us. That's a side point. But in general, the idea of jealousy is if we realize that something was totally out of our league, out of our stature, would we really be jealous of that person? That's how we should feel because anything that's not ours, we're not supposed to have. It's out of our stature. It's out of our league. Would you be jealous of the Duke of France because he married the, the Duchess of France? No, they're royalty. They have a whole different situation. Are you jealous of the Duke and the Duchess because they have a humongous castle and mansion because they're royalty? No, they are royalty. Are you jealous because the president lives in a White House for hundreds of years? No, that's what the president gets. They always get that. The king gets that. We're not jealous because it's not our stature. It's not our league. If we take the Pasuk seriously... If we take the Mishnah, excuse me, seriously, in Pirkei when it says, Ezehu Ashira Sameach Bechalko, who is happy, he who actually is content and happy with his lot, that's a real rich person. We wouldn't be jealous. We wouldn't wish we had a humongous house, and it's Musr for myself especially. We wouldn't need to feel like we have a humongous house. We wouldn't need to feel like we need a Rolls Royce or a Bentley, whatever. God gave me the house I exactly need. God gave me the car I exactly need. I love my house. I love my van. Whatever Hashem gave us exactly what we have. And lahabda, lahabda, in spiritual matters, of course, we're so happy with the spouse He gave us and the kids He gave us. Because that's exactly what He intended for us. That's exactly what we're supposed to have. That's exactly the manifestation of who is supposed to be our partner, who is supposed to be our children. God doesn't make mistakes. This is exactly what is meant for your life. This is exactly what is meant to be in your life. Hashem knows what He's doing Many, many, many times over. There's no mistakes on Hashem's part. He knows exactly what to do. He knows exactly who to give you and what to give you. Don't hate your brother. Don't be jealous of your brother. And then it talks about rebuking. It talks about you have to rebuke your fellow. We talked about this very much in depth in the lecture series lecture where we talk of cynicism and criticism, of criticism and cynicism. We talk an hour. There are many, many sources and insights and the like. But always good to review, especially with the help of Chabad, the topic. The question is, though, in this verse, when it says rebuke, rebuke, why the double language? Hocheach, tocheach. Wouldn't it have been enough one time to say hocheach or tocheach? Why hocheach, tocheach? Another time when we get this phraseology elsewhere in the Torah comes to mind, aser to aser. And we talk about that also at length in other shiurim, especially in the lecture series and the generosity one. 
Why? Aser b'shvil shetit asher. The only time that we're allowed to quote unquote test Hashem is by giving tzedakah, giving charity. Hashem says in one of the minor prophets in the Tanakh canon, test me, see if I won't open the storehouses of Shemaim for you, if you give tithes, if you give charity. I will. Aser to aser, you shall surely tithe. Why? Aser b'shvil shetit asher. Give tithes so that you will become wealthy. Give so that you will be wealthy. Give so that it will be able to be done for you. Give so that you will be able to have what you need. Hashem will take care of everything you need. So maybe here too, definitely rebuke. Why? Rebuke, rebuke, but it has to be done in the right way. We talk about this at length in this year also. Most people can't give criticism the right way. It's very difficult to give the proper criticism, to do it in the right way, to do it in the proper way. So really, it should be avoided. But if you're going to give criticism, you got to do it in the right path. you got to do it in a warm way. You have to do it in a loving way. You have to use gentle words and gentle manner. And you can't upset them. You can't make them feel tiny or make them feel terrible. Of course, guilt tripping never works. Passive aggressive never works. There are very defined parameters of how to do it, but we have to follow along. And it's interesting to think about why we're repeating the term and who can we rebuke and how can we rebuke but not sin. So the sources from Chabad pick up on it right away. And Rashi points out from Torah Konim and Erechen, you shall not bear a sin on his account, meaning in the course of your rebuking your fellow, do not embarrass him in public, we know embarrassing someone in public. Excuse me, embarrassing someone's face in public, making their face turn red or white, pale, whatever, is a sin that is, on some level, the Gemara talks about how it's pretty much yaharog v'al yavor. You know, for the big three, you're supposed to die rather than transgress them for immorality, for murder, for idol worship. But also on some level, embarrassing someone in public is really a big no-no. You're not supposed to do it. You're not supposed to hurt them. You're not supposed to embarrass them, especially in public. We know that Yehuda and Tamar is one of the sources for this. Tamar was about to be burned at the stake. Yehuda, of course, was the one that, that made her be expecting. Until the last minute, she didn't even send the signet and the staff. And she said, to whom these belong to, that's who I have child with. And Yehuda said, you know what, she's right. But she was about to be burnt at the stake rather than, than embarrass Yehuda in public. And she did it in a secretive way also, by the way, not saying to the whole masses, this is the staff of the person that got me pregnant. No, she did it in a very quiet, subtle, modest way. That could be a source for not embarrassing someone in, person, in public, and it's better to, to, to jump into a fiery furnace than to actually embarrass someone. We know the Gemara talks about Mar Okva and his wife. That's a very famous story. I forget which Gemara, but I love the story. Mar Okva and his wife were charity collectors. They would give out charity. One time they were running a little late. Markva was running a little late. He cut up with his wife, and I love how they did it together. A nice source to do things with your wife, not alone. Spend as much time as you can with your wife. Do as many activities as you can with your wife together. What a nice source. Markva and his wife gave charity together. Not just Markva, not just the wife, together. So they gave charity to different people. One time they were running very late, and... They were trying to catch up, catch up, catch up, and, and the charity co- the person that got charity was always curious who was giving him charity, and he really wanted to know, and he figured out one day 
this will be the day I find out. Because he saw they were running late. He saw it. it. Usually they give it to me at 10.30. Today it's already 11. They're not here. Maybe I could see who it is. So Mark and his wife come around. They're collecting. And they're about to give it to, to John Doe, whatever his name is. And John Doe starts following them. And Mark and his wife realize their anonymity is going to be compromised. They're going to be revealed who is the charity giver. They run, they run, they try to find somewhere to hide. They run into the first house they could find. I'm paraphrasing this, of course, in the Gemara. And they jump into a fiery furnace. I guess the house was spared of any furniture or any hiding place. They literally jumped into the fire oven and the charity, the, the beneficiary of the charity could not find them and couldn't figure out who they were. So they were able to stay, stay anonymous. The Gemara has an addendum basically over there saying... So Mar Okva and his wife hid in the fire, and Mar Okva was almost completely saved, except for his feet. The bottom of his feet were singed, were burned, but his wife was not. And the question is, why? Why was his wife able to be fully saved from the fire, and Mar Okva was not? And the, and the Gemara goes on to say, because Mar Okva took his time and, and took a little longer than his wife. His wife got things ready first, and if someone needed charity, she did it right away, didn't hesitate, didn't wait. Marukma did, so he was a little bit less level, so they cinched his feet. It reminds me of the story also of Choni Hamago, who one time a charity collector wanted him to give him charity, and Choni, or whoever, whoever the, uh, the, the person was from the Tanakh, from the Talmud, um, a fascinating character, an amazing character. Actually, my son, my oldest son, has that nickname, but he should only know from good things, only good aspects. But this sage, one time, did not give the, the poor person the charity right away, and and he said, wait, I'll come back, and that poor person, Loaleno, unfortunately passed away, and Chon, the, and this Talmudic sage, if it was Choni or someone else, was so disappointed that he asked for many, many, many tribulations on himself. We should never, ever, ever know from such things, not for our families or anyone, but basically for each aspect of what he didn't do, he asked for retribution, and Hashem gave it to him, and uh, basically... He, he lived a very painful life, but was a tremendous, tremendous, tremendous sage. Meaning the idea of giving the charity, giving the thing, you got to give it right away. You got to do it right away. But we don't want to embarrass people. We don't want to hurt people. So Mark and his wife and, and Yehud and Tamar, they wanted to make sure to maintain the dignity, not to embarrass people in public, not to criticize in public. So much to avoid that. Embarrassing in public is really bad. Rashi points out we cannot do that. The sources in Chabad point out from the Mishnah Torah and Laws of Character, chapter 6, from the Rambam, if a person is wronged by another, he should not hate him and remain silent, as is said in regard to the wicked. And Avshalom did not speak to Amnon, neither good nor evil, for Avshalom hated Amnon. Obviously, he had a good reason to hate Amnon, Amnon and Tamar, the famous example of, of two of David's kids. They might have been stepkids or... or, or, um, or half-siblings, I'm not sure, but Amnon had a great... Uh, Great want, wanting for Tamar, and he didn't wait, and he basically, the story goes that he, he, he took Tamar basically, even though some sources say that it would have been permissible if he waited. So Avshalom was another brother, hated Amnon, hated Amnon. And it, it ended up that, uh, I believe he killed Amnon, and uh, Avshalom later rebelled against David. A very, very tragic story in all aspects. In fact, Pirkei Elvis talks about how the love that is not based on Unconditional things is ex- evident by Amnon and Tamar. Amnon wanted Tamar so badly, but it was based on external appearances, probably how she looked or whatnot. 
But real love of David Yohannes, and that's what really stands, and that's what really lasts. Something that's unconditional, that's everlasting. That's just a side point. But anyway, the source goes on, the Rambam points out, it's a mitzvah to make known to him and say to him, why did he do this and this to me? Why did you offend me in this way? As it is written, rebuke, rebuke your fellow. And if that person expresses regret and asks him for forgiveness, he should forgive him. One who sees that his fellow has sinned or is following an improper path, it is a mitzvah to bring him back to the proper path, inform him that he sins by his bad actions, as it says, rebuke, rebuke your fellow. I would add a caveat, I'm not anywhere near a tiny morsel compared to the Rambam, but I would say, do it in a proper way, do it in a wonderful way. We talked in the lecture series the other night, we talked about how to do how to have guests and how the, the way of bringing someone back to Shabbos is not to yell at them, not to denigrate them, not to criticize them the way, but show them what beautiful Shabbos can be. Show them how beautiful Judaism can be. Don't thrust it upon them. Don't force it upon them, but do it in a loving, wonderful manner. When one rebukes one's fellow, the Rambam continues, whether it is regarding matters between the two of them or regarding matters between that person and Hashem, he should rebuke him in private. He should speak to him gently and softly, should tell him that he's doing this for his own good so he may merit the world to come. If that person accepts the rebuke, good. If not, he should rebuke him a second time and a third time. He should continue to rebuke him to the point that the sinner strikes him and says, I refuse to listen. Whoever has the ability to rebuke and does not do so shares in the guilt for the sin since he could have prevented it. One who is wronged by his fellow but does not desire to rebuke him or speak to him about it at all because the offender is a very coarse person or a disturbed person but chooses instead to forgive in his heart, bearing him no grudge nor rebuking him. This is the matter of the pious. The Torah's objection to remaining silent is only when he harbors animosity. And that comes from the Rambam. Again, doing it in a proper way, in a gentle way, in a loving way. That's why all these programs, all of these institutions are brilliant. You know, Or Sameach and Eish, NCSY, Yacha, they introduce... Shabbos, and, and they, they introduce things and they do Kirv in such a way that it's a beautiful thing. You know, Shabbat.com and anywhere in Israel, these wonderful, wonderful organizations that bring Shabbos to the masses, they do it in a really, hopefully, they do it in a loving, wonderful way. Labav Cherebi points out when it says, Rebuke, rebuke your fellow, our sages have said words that come from the heart enter the heart. Devarim hayyotsim in alev, you know, nechnasim lalev, or something like that. Words that come out from the heart enter the heart. Therefore follows that if you seek to correct the failing of your fellow and are unsuccessful, the fault lies not with him, but with yourself. Had you truly been sincere, your words would certainly have had an effect. You want to influence others, speak from the heart. Speak with passion. Speak with love. Speak with energy. That's why a lot of lecture series topics, I try to talk about a topic that really appeals to me. A topic that really is near and dear to my heart. A topic that really applies to me. That's why I talk on the show about Chesed. We talked about Achnas Zorach and one of my favorite mitzvahs in the entire Torah. Things that a person is passionate about, that loves, those can come out from their heart and to go into someone else's heart. That's why in the Daf series, I try to find a paragraph that speaks to me that hopefully could speak to others. That's why I do a show on Perkei Avos. I love Perkei Avos. That's why I do a show on OT. I love the profession of OT. And a show on Parsha, I love Parsha. Different things we can do. It has to go yoytzim in away from the heart, ag- exiting the heart to enter the heart as well. The Hasidic masters point out when it says rebuke, rebuke your fellow. Why is the word rebuke repeated? Because first you must rebuke yourself. 
You have to make sure that you're correct in a certain aspect. I can't talk about guests to others if I myself haven't had guests countless times with my wife and growing up many, many times in the, in the past. I can't talk to this or to that if I myself am not working on it. I can't talk about rebuking others if I don't rebuke myself. That's why most of the podcasts I do really speaks to myself. Really, I'm talking to myself and hopefully others can benefit too. But really, I'm really talking to myself and at myself. Rabbi Israel Shemtov points out, your fellow is your mirror. If your own face is clean, the image you perceive will also be flawless. But you shall look upon your fellow man and see a blemish. If you look upon a fellow man and see a blemish, it is your own imperfection that you are encountering. You are being shown what it is that you must correct within yourself. That's the idea of projection. I say you're angry at me when really I'm angry at you. Lahavdal, 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 Freud and his defense mechanisms. I say that really the teacher hates me when really I hate the teacher. Also the idea of displacement. Don't take your anger out on your spouse and your kids on your dog when really you're angry about yourself. Really you're angry about something else. Don't displace it. Another defense mechanism from psych major in, in college. Don't take it out on someone else. You need to take care of it. Sublimate it, another defense mechanism. Take it from an unhealthy mean, put it into a healthy mean. You have grief, you have upsetness, you have anger, you have frustration. Where can you sublimate it? Where can you put it? Some people like to write. My wife likes to write. I personally take my guitar. My guitar is really a really good medium for me. I sublimate my feelings, my emotions into the guitar. Over the years, thank God, Hashem let me write many, 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 many songs really for myself. And I use the guitar to do that with the capo and putting the emotions into the music. That's a way of sublimation. Frustration, stress can come out using music or yoga or meditation or writing, running, exercising. There's thousands of ways to get it out in a healthy manner. We talk a lot about it on the OT show, how to do so. Look, if you have a mistake in yourself, you have a blemish in yourself, how can you criticize that yourself? And only then can you be really a model for others. First, take care of yourself, and then hopefully you could be a role model that people can learn from. On one occasion, Rabbi Aaron of Bells was informed that one of the town's residents had desecrated the Shabbos. He immediately ordered both the informer and the Shabbat violator to appear before him. I order you to donate two pounds of candles to the synagogue, said Rabbi Aaron to the informer, in order to atone for the fact that he spoke negatively of a fellow Jew. And you, said the Rebbe to the second man, I find one pound of candles for being the cause of your fellow Jews speaking negatively of another Jew. We're supposed to, in general, be a candle, be a light, be a flame to others. Don't be a negative flame. Be a positive flame, actually influencing others for good, actually helping others for good, doing good for others, making sure that we help others. Be that candle. Be that person. Make sure you yourself are doing what we're supposed to do. And the Tavon in almost picks up and says, when it says, Hocheach, Tocheach, said Rabbi Elah, in the name of Rabbi Elezer, ben Sh- Rabbi Shimon, just as it is a mitzvah for a person to say what will be accepted, it is a mitzvah to refrain from saying things that will not be accepted. If you know they're not going to listen, you know they're not going to accept it, you know it's not going to influence them or help them, why are you talking to them? You know it's not going to make a difference, then what are you talking about them to begin with? You know it's not going to help. You know it's not going to change them. You really can't change a person. You can only change yourself. That's the famous phrase from a famous uh, commentator or master. I can't remember who it was. They said they want to change the world. They couldn't do that. Then their country, then their their city, then their community, then their neighbors, the, the block, and then their family. And then they realized I really could only change myself. 
I could only criticize myself. I could only fix myself. And once I do that, then by nature, it might have been actually Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, same one that says as long as the candle is burning, there's what to be done. As he saw the shoemaker working at 3 o'clock in the morning who told him that phrase and he used it for life. I think it was Rabbi Yisrael Salanter who said, I myself can only change myself and then everybody else will hopefully be influenced around me. I can only fix myself. I can only do myself. If you know someone's not going to accept the criticism, don't give it. You know, someone's not going to listen. They're not going to take it. Don't give it. Don't do it. Rabbi Abba said, Indeed, it is an obligation to act thus, as it is written, Do not rebuke a fool, lest he hate you. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love you. So we talk about the criticizing. We talk about you got to take care of the others. you got to see what's going on. But it has to be done in a wonderful way, a loving way. It has to be done in a mitzvah path to look at the proper actions and not the bad actions. Not to do it in public, but to do it in private, gently and softly. Do it in the right way so that he's not offended. You're not hurting the person. Make sure you do it that it's coming from the heart. To enter their heart. To do it in a way that really helps them. If the fault is in you and you're projecting it onto someone else, take care of yourself. Make sure you rebuke yourself. Remember, you are a mirror. Look upon yourself before looking on others and make sure that you're doing it in the right way, in a nice way. Make sure you're doing it in a way that it's a mitzvah, that it will be accepted, that they'll accept it, and that they won't shun it. Again, there's a whole lecture series about it on all podcast forums. Look up the lecture series with Reb T. Look up of criticism and cynicism. We go through an hour of stories, sources, and insights. Here is just a small mini talk on the Parsha talking about criticism, how we could help others, how we could do for others, how we could try to influence others. This has been the Audio DT with Reb T. And I'm your host, Reb T.